This is a Stand Up New York Labs production, providing you podcasts since 2013. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. 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 Turner Sparks just got married and has moved home to America after 12 years living in China. Sir Michael Ira Kaplan has two kids, a wife, a job, and has spent his entire life in the USA. Neither one can figure their country out. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, episode 134. My name is Turner Sparks. I'm Kaplan. You can find me at Turner Sparks on Instagram. You can find Kaplan at K-A-P, Cap in America, on Instagram. Cap, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm glad that we're not promoting Twitter anymore. No, Screw we're done Twitter. with Twitter. Done. We're young people. No one uses Twitter. Yeah, it's over. I don't it even peaked. think Trump uses it anymore. Uh, well, I haven't checked, but I, I assume I, he's probably he's probably on Instagram. You know you get alerts every time he tweets. Come exactly. on, don't hide it. On the podcast today, we have Daniel Pomerantz. Daniel's an old friend of Kaplan's. I met him at your wedding maybe 10 years ago. Yeah, and I met him in Israel. I went to Israel with him in college. Yeah, so. but we're bearing the lead. The reason why we're having him on, he took Playboy magazine to Israel. And I don't mean he like smuggled in his backpack. I mean, he opened the brand. He's the Hugh Hefner of Israel. He's the, he's the That's Hugh. What they know. That's what he's known in those he's parts. He's the Hef. The Hef. The Jewish half. Yeah, he's probably he's going to come in on a bathrobe in a minute or two. So We're excited. So I want to find out. I got a ton of business questions. Oh, yeah. How do you even do that? How do you market it? There's a million things, but also, like, let's. I want to, I want to know what the bunnies are like what, out there. What, those, what the bunnies are like. And yeah, you guys are both international business geniuses. You guys put your brain. <laughs> exactly. You have a lot of uh, hardware in the room today. There's a lot of, like, crossover between ice cream trucks in China and Playboy magazine. In Israel. Well, Kat, before we get to all that, uh, we're going to get to my the, the recording last week. Thank you to everyone who came out to my live album recording. We'll get to that in a minute. But before all that, before. I got a bone to pick with the New York Times. The failing New York Times. <laughs> exactly. Kaplan, they, I, I'm in a recent New York Times article. Of course you are. The New York Times just writes about us constantly to get people to clicks. Clickbait. <laughs> you got to get yeah. clicks. got to get clicks. This economy. Yeah. I'm in the article. They quote me. They don't use my name. What do they call you? Uh, they call me MC. Let, let me tell you the story. Yeah. So here's what happened. They have this article about uh, stand-up comedian Bonnie McFarlane. I believe she's uh, Matt. She produces, She performs up here a lot, right? At the uh, stand-up New York Comedy Club. So I've, I've never met her personally. But oh, that's no. a big no. Then she's a nobody. Uh, she's a nobody. I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not the, at the club downstairs. Mostly I'm up here in He's the a, studio. Well, she's but not this, up here. She's anyway. not getting laughs loud enough to make him upstairs. <laughs> you yeah. can't hear him two floors up. <laughs> Here's the point. The New York Times write an article about her. She's been a stand-up for a long time. She's a respected uh, stand-up comedian. Yeah. So they, they decide to follow her around for the night. One of those, like, the thousandth article written about, like, let's just follow around a comedian, see what 36 they hours in the life of a New York City comic. Ooh, what's the <laughs> inner world like? Ooh, the rough and tumble. Ooh, they go it? for a slice of pizza. Not Ooh. as easy as you think to be a stand-up. I got a newsflash for you, New York Times. Nobody thinks it's easy to be a stand-up comedian anymore. There's nobody... Everyone's seen Crashing. Everyone's no, seen Miss Maisel. They've seen her <laughs> bomb. Everyone thinks they know. This article's done, right? right? But anyway, so they write this article about her, 36 hours in the life or whatever. <laughs> and then on one on her final show of the night, when they follow her around, I'm the, it was at New York Comedy Club. She comes to New York Comedy Club. Who's there? But Turner Sparks. I'm hosting the show. So she comes up to me and she's like, hey, I'm on next. This is going to be weird. But I have this camera crew with me. These people uh, doing taking pictures. They want to take pictures of me when I'm on stage. So maybe you can um, 
kind of prep the audience that this is going to be unusual. There's going to be this photographer. And these photographers, they always want to make themselves the center of the show. Goddamn photographers. That's the wedding. Most narcissists you've ever met. The wedding photographers. How many weddings have I been to where you can't even see the, uh, do you take this man, this woman, I do the kiss. You don't see it because the photographer's right in the middle of it uh, taking pictures of everybody. So this is the this New York Times uh, garbage. Got a lot of enemies this week. A lot of Photographers enemies. and the New York Times. New York Times photographer. <laughs> so she's up there in the middle of it. Anyway, the point is, before she goes on, she comes up to me. She goes, hey, how long do I have till I go up? I'm like, I don't know, seven minutes, uh, maybe 10 minutes, something like that. I'll, I'll come get you, right? So then that's it. That's, I go about my day, mm-hmm. you know, innocent enough. Innocent. A few weeks later, article comes out. I read through it to find out, ooh, maybe I'm quoted in this thing. Guess what I find out? I am quoted in ooh. it. They say, Bonnie McFarland, last show of the night at the New York Comedy Club. She goes up to the host, the MC for the evening, and says, how long till I go up? And he says, seven minutes, maybe 10. Oh, so they accurately quoted you. They accurately <laughs> quoted me, but they don't say my name. Where's my ink, New York Failing New York Times. But they called you the host or they called you the MC? They call me the MC Ooh, for the evening. That seems like a dig, too. And they all, no, but here's the one, the one thing I'm okay with. They they wrote it just the letters MC. Oh, like your MC like Sparks? Like MC. I'm an 80s rapper, <laughs> not E M C E E, which is the way this New York Times journalist is really falling apart. They're putting all their energy into Trump and they just, the rest of the paper is just really The, st- new, the, the University of Miami newspaper, I, a college paper I wrote for, is yeah. more professional than this. Not only that, my name, if you still look now, if you go back and look at that show from that could day. could have looked it up really easily. My, my name's listed as the host on the website. Yeah, they could have. They could have asked me in the moment, oh, what's your name? They could have checked the website. They could have called the club. And they could also figure out that MC is not the letters MC. They probably don't want to give any more white guys publicity as comics. But clearly It's part not. of the article. Clearly. So they, they made a concerted effort to hide your identity. Because people read that. If they read your name, they'd be like, I have to see this comedian. Of course. Seven to ten minutes. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so they would have really rushed out to you. It would have defeated the purpose of the article. So they knew what they were doing. The, they really it's there's, a, no, there's no accident so we're going to talk about this a little bit no with our guests later accident. New York Times coverage but next time yeah. I want Breitbart writing that story <laughs> they like white guys Breitbart <laughs> Breitbart's going to do, do uh, a whole thing like a week in the life of Turner Sp- and some Sparks <laughs> it'll just be all me <laughs> yeah all you and they won't even yeah Cap I got a couple things to promote before we get to Lost in America right. I'm back on the promotions train bro you're back baby well, I'm back everyone uh, missed that train I tell you <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of requests for more promotions <laughs> they're like where are these prom- where's, why isn't he reading yeah. show dates anymore yeah. Yeah. June uh, 19th, it's next Wednesday night. This upcoming Wednesday, excuse me, this comes out on Monday. June 19th, I will be at New York Comedy Club, back to my old haunt, my old digs. With and, uh, Were you emceeing or are you, are you performing? I'm not emceeing. I'm performing. It's Michael Costa, who's been on the oh, show before guy, yeah. from The Daily Show. Great tennis player. He's going to be on the show with me, Joe Schaefer, uh, a bunch of people. Steve Lee, this comedian's coming in from Hong Kong. We are to, oh, Abby Washuda, who's, oh. who's done the podcast. When is the 36 hours in life of Joe Schaefer coming? <laughs> Never. <laughs> what newspaper? <laughs> Well, 27 of those hours of him standing on the corner trying to get people to buy green energy, <laughs> handing out flyers. The rest of them is him standing, selling candy on the subway oh, good for life. his basketball team. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we're going to be at New York Comedy Club, 7 p.m. It's the Kung Fu Comedy Show. We're telling stories internationally from around the All world. Right. I got a new story I'm telling. New material. Uh, the, the, that, that last hour is done. New material. I got a story about uh, visiting my in-law, my uh, Ye's dad in China and him okay. trying to get me to learn Suzhou Hua. All right. So that that'll be sounds, exciting. Uh, like a useful thing to learn. Come out to that show, everybody. Cap, should we get to Lost in America? I think we should. Play. Oh, wait. Amazon. 
Oh, dog. Oh, my These, God. Get Amazon. It's the most important episode to promote Amazon. Pay for this pod if we're not an Amazon uh, advertisement. You guys, if you want to support the podcast, go to lostinamericapod.com. Click the Amazon um, advertisement in the upper right-hand corner. It's a thing for some book. Yeah. Click that. It'll take you back to Amazon. Do your regular shopping. Whatever you want. A percentage of that comes to us. The last thing we should announce, there are people watching us live right now on See You Live. Hello, Canada. Congratulations, Toronto. This is uh, See You Live is based out of Toronto, Canada. They oh, just, look at that. They're taking their new overlords. They they've, do, they've, they are they've conquered overlords. our sport, our number one sport basketball. They yeah. are now the champions. Now they're conquering. And now they're conquering podcasts. Our uh, internet. Our internet. So they are now, work for you now. streaming us live. Live every episode, all over Canada. Is this on big screen? Is this Jurassic Park? This is, is this Jurassic Park. <laughs> the millions of people are just standing in the street screaming is right Drake now. Drake like, going ah! nuts in a party somewhere. Drake has written two <laughs> songs about us already. Oh my god, this is a great. So thing. if you go to cya.live Fridays at 4 p.m., we're doing this live from Stand Up Labs, and you can catch us before we. This comes out on Mondays, but mm. you can get it three days early. Yeah, you can leg up on the competition. Go to c, uh, cya.live. Do that, and then at the end of every episode we do a wrap-up show just with the people who are watching on see live and they can join in they can ask us questions they can be on on the screen with us asking us questions pretty cool huh yeah uh, we'll see how good our questions are first so do that every friday at 4 p.m and check our um check our instagram check our twitter check our facebook if we're slightly altering those dates or go to i mean those times but we're always fridays right yeah that's it cap should we get to lost in america let's play the music play the music All right, we're back, Kaplan. I was lost in America we're last lost. week. I, are you still feeling lost, or you're feeling? Uh... Well, this this recording my this album, this first ever album, it's going to be out in the fall. Check it out. Recording the album at the Friars Club. First of all, we, we sold out both shows. Yeah, that was amazing. Considering a few weeks earlier, it seemed like uh, you were nervous about the sales. I was very off the air. Behind, pull yeah, back the behind, curtain. Yeah, yeah. I was telling Kaplan, I was like, I need everybody. Dude. Yeah, and I they, need everybody came. Or everybody lot, came. The army, the Every, pod army, and they all brought everyone brought friends. So thank you. Very very much um but we and then the, the the second show the late show we sold out that i think we were like 20 or 30 seats away that morning mm. friday morning and then by friday night we sold it out but i want to go through a little a couple things first of all about 10 minutes before the first show started the one you came to we double checked the lighting way off what, so it was all what this, color was it it was just giant it was like white and you couldn't, it looked like we were ghosts. You couldn't see anything. There was this giant scramble with the people at the Friars Club to go back, go, go, go just double, like reconnect all the lights above, uh, above the stage in the back of the room. Connect. They, they had two, first, it was too many. There was like all five on at one time. Finally, they, like really, like at 727. What's the, the issue? Was, I mean, they've had, they don't have comedy there. Normally, they have events. They don't have a light. No, but they, they got like a new loot lighting system oh in. They God. had the engineers come bring it in. They were like, this is the best lighting of all time. Was this, this is, they were all down. I was eating dinner with the family. They were, you guys, they were waiting on me. They were giving me such great service. And nobody was properly taking care of the lights, apparently. Exactly. <laughs> and it was the greatest lighting of all time once we figured it out. But the problem was no one knew how to run it. Oh, yeah. You got to get a light guy. So that was an issue. Second issue is the air conditioner. Remember, the MC goes up. Uh, Luke Thayer did a MC, great job. Host. Right? 
E-M-C-E, does a great job, goes up to host the show, does about 15 minutes of stand-up. He was really good. Really good. Really good, right? Really, really funny. Does about 15 minutes of stand-up, and he's like, all right, here we go, everybody. We're bringing up Turner. It's going to be great. He's prepping you guys. He's doing audience warm-up. Did a great job of explaining to us the stakes. Had a clap. He's yeah. teaching everyone Taught how to me. clap. I didn't know. I was doing this the whole time. I was missing. And then Your he, cap was, <laughs> yeah, arms. Cap was oh. butt slapping. Yeah. He didn't know you could hand clap. And then, um, and then he's like, all right, ready? On the count of three, we're going to bring up Turner. One, two, and on two, it was like when Hulk Hogan, remember when he used to choke people out and they would do, or he would get choked out. Yeah. One arm up, down. Two arms up, down. Uh, two and a half. And, and then he would go like, back go up. Flailing back yeah. up. And he, this is I what, am a real American. Yeah. <laughs> da, na, 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 na. At two and a half, the sound guy from the back of the room, the guy yeah. who's running all the audio, the entire reason why, we're, why we are there is because the record label sent a sound guy who's recording it and it's going to come out. The sound guy goes, stop, 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 stop. It's like he's busting into yeah. a wedding. Yeah. Do I have an objection, objection, objection. Objection. And the photographer's in the way. No, go He's busts in and uh, he goes, stop, stop, stop. The air conditioner's on. It was pretty loud air conditioner. Was it? It was cranking, yeah. I was outside of the room. It was coming like from the t- up top. It was one of those up top high, like boom. Yeah. Sure. It, it, was, a, it was a loud one. The air conditioner's on. We, he's like, it's messing up the sound. We need the air conditioner off. And Luke goes, and Luke there from the stage, he goes, all right, uh, I think we're going to get the air conditioner off. Should we get the air conditioner off? Asking the people in the back of the room. I know, yeah. No one knew how. Some idiot in the front go- front row goes, yeah, I think you should. It's pretty cold. Remember that? <laughs> yes. It was cold. And Luke goes, I'm not asking was- you. I feel like it was a Letterman audience. You piece of shit. You think you, this all revolves around you? Yeah. Some dummy in the front? This is for the show. This is for the recording. This is for comedy dynamics. This is for Gator Done Records. This is for Turn Sparks. This is for the show. Yeah. Are we allowed to say the records? No. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, maybe not. Anyway, whatever. No one's listening to that part. So then... It comes up. Uh, so then, then we find out it takes like seven minutes. Yeah, Luke had to do a whole new bit. He wasn't planning on doing the air like stories about his marriage. Wind, they got to wind down. <laughs> yeah, I got to do a whole bit on air conditioners. Why? Yeah. Everything else in life, you can turn it on and yeah, off. It was, air conditioner needs seven minutes to wind down. So Luke is like, "All right, I guess I'll just do more jokes." Yeah, I know. He started telling stories about his, his started marriage. Telling stories. And he did <laughs> it. So deep. It ended up, yeah, yeah, it was a little off the rails, but he was doing all he could. He did a great job, He yeah. had planned on finishing. He was talking slow to, like, stall. To, he like, was. He was doing slow jokes. It's like when you're in a movie and, like, there's, like, a, we need that person to get here. Yeah. It was the OJ chase of comedy. It was yeah, very yeah, yeah. slow. Yeah. So, but it worked. I mean, it worked so well because uh, by the end of your set, it, I didn't want it to end, but I sort of needed the air conditioner to come back on because I was, like, it really, like, just wanted to sweat out all the juice. No, exactly. Because like, the Friars Club always has the AC on. There's a lot of Jews there. We need AC. Sure, heavy So they're AC. not used to turning it off. That was That's the real issue. I didn't realize until that night that Jews sweat differently from normal from other <laughs> people. I mean, I want to talk to Dan about the, the, uh, the Israel. Apparently, they've found a way, a loophole. But the Jewish American DNA, we need. Oh, it's very different. We can't have hot weather. We need AC. You guys aren't military, like <laughs> no. mandatory military. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So we, we, we're just not used to telling jokes in a in a. In a they're listening dry, to jokes. Listening to jokes. That's yeah. exactly. So then they turn off the air conditioner. So I do my whole show. First thing I hear to you and Weber is, uh, "It's too hot in here." Like it's it, not. It was hot, man. It but, was hot, but it was good. It was really good. Last thing I want to do, and this is for the listeners before we bring in Dan, is we talked about this. I've actually put this on Facebook, and people are talking about it, but I want to bring it up on the air. I don't, and you can stop me if I have before. Have we read all six of the final options for the title of my album? We brought. We went through a bunch of these. We I went through a couple, right? Did we narrow it down? I don't think we air? narrowed it down yet on the air. And if not, people don't listen every week. Well, exactly. You'll <laughs> get it again. Because I want feedback from, you can hit us on Instagram, Twitter, don't Facebook. Don't at gmail.com. Don't at gmail.com. That's the best place to find I us. I'll try yeah. to remember to check that email address Here are the final, uh, final options and, uh, for, our out, for the title of my debut stand-up comedy album. One, 
back in the USSA. I like it. Cap, you like that one, right? I like that one. I mean, you didn't come from Ru- the downside is you didn't come from Russia. You're coming from China. Exactly, but it's also communist. It is communist. It's, the, the downside, I think, is that people might find it's political. Where I'm not, it's not a the political. Best, the album. Beatles song is not really political, though. I, I don't find it. Feel people think. And so also, Weber a, said I can't do that because there's some movie about the Beatles coming out. And no, people are going to confuse the two. The movie yesterday, but I don't, I don't, I don't see why. how. I think one, you're piggybacking on it. If that movie's I, a big hit, it's a little know. too in the weeds. Yeah. Uh, next up, Little Trouble in Big China. I like that. I like it. Did yeah. you? So you've now seen the full hour. Yeah. So in hindsight, the, your di- the opinions might be different after you've seen it, right? Little Trouble in Big China. That could relate to getting my, uh, well, I don't want to spoil it, but we yeah. the ice cream truck. But do you go into it that much in that hour? Not really. A bit. Yeah. A bit at the end. Not a ton. The third one is uh, the Very White album. <laughs> That's mine. Yeah. <laughs> just based off of me being a very white guy. Yeah. Another, you just, came up with that, so we, right? Because we have two Beatles it's references also in Beatles, our final. It's also a Beatles, Beatles reference. Beatles are the best band. They're the best album names. <laughs> the next is Chairman Sparks. Yeah. My barber loved that the most. Barber John, shout out in El Dorado yeah. Hills, California, because he's an ex-military guy. Oh, yeah. And he thought the others were too weak. They right. made you look weak. He's like a tr- the way Trump respects. Like, he, he wanted to be strong. Ma- he likes Mal. He was strong. He wanted to be strong. <laughs> uh, the next is New Country Who this which is a little yeah. bit too like it's it, it's I, something that could be dated a couple years from now no yeah. it's a term that people use like new phone who dis yeah I, i'm not that's we're not, not my even gonna have choice. phones anymore in a couple years yeah and the people will know what that means and the final one um let's see oh the final one and this i think is going to trump everything if they'll allow me to do it and i'm in talks with the club right now Turner Sparks live from the Friars Club. That's good too. Always good. I think that might be the best. Although I was just thinking of a bonus one just now. Uh, let's do it. It came up today. Yeah. The MC Sparks. No. MC Sparks. <laughs> With MC like MC Hammer style, but okay, yeah, and I can have a hammer pants on. Hammer pants, yeah. Uh, <laughs> from MC Photoshop Sparks. you, Photoshop you in front of them. And if the whole world's like, I don't get it, you're like, no, there was this New York Times article where they didn't. They, it's a yeah, real it's a deep whole. explanation. Is the, is the cover of the album going to be like that picture? That oh wait, one I didn't you? say. There was one I didn't say. Uh, Mr. Softy. Oh, Mr. Softy. That's the one that everyone seems to like. Yeah, that's a good one. That's everyone a good except general... my barber because he said it makes me look weak. weak. Yeah, the barber. Yeah. John just, but he doesn't know what it's he doesn't know about the ice cream backstory he thinks, I don't think he knows is he thinks it's a sexual thing like, I think yeah he's oh, like it makes you sound impotent Mr. Soft yeah. it's like some but some it, chick uh, but it's like layered if you don't know that's just funny yeah. I'm calling myself impotent if you do know you're like oh then it's Mr. Soft the ice cream yeah, truck you're saying it's a clean album clean comedy it's soft and uh, in any interview you might do I'm also kind of a I'm a butter bean. You yeah. know, I don't work out all the time. Yeah, but you also get to promote the Mr. Softy backstory. Exactly. If anyone asks, why is it called Mr. Softy? Well, mm-hmm. I, oh, funny you should ask, uh, Seth Myers. Yeah. Oh. Come on, get me on. Sorry, I've been so busy, Pod. Uh, then we have the whole Rest story to go into. Yeah, right? that's a, I would, yeah, Mr. Softy. So the think, very white album, Mr. Softy. The very and, uh, white album. And uh, Chairman Sparks, or I think Live from the Friars Club is also. That, Live from the Friars Club is pretty good. Unique. And that, the picture would be the cover. The picture yeah. of me on stage at the Friars Club. Oh, and then and then my, my, my friend Lewis, who was like in the front row, will be on your cover. So I like that. Oh, really you're close. right. <laughs> Shout out to him for coming out. What's his last name? Louis Friedman. Louis Friedman. We had all the big wigs. Yeah. Yeah, so out there. He was like, said to me, he's like, do you want to take the seat in the front row? I I'm going to get picked on. I'm like, nah, I'm gonna pick, not that kind of show. Yeah, I don't and pick And then on. Luke, no, but Luke was picking on. Oh, Luke picked on. <laughs> so. Another shout out, Trip White Wetzel came out, who wrote that book about Bud Freeman. The, the, um, it's a pretty legendary book in stand-up comedy. Oh. About Bud Freeman, who started the improv oh. in New York and Hollywood. Interesting. And uh, he wrote the, the, the biography. He was written a bunch of books on comedy. So he's, he came out. He had a good time. Da- okay, so should we get, let's get to Daniel. Let's get to Daniel. Daniel Palmer, come in. on in. Come on in. Uh, 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 uh. 
right, we're back. Daniel Pomerantz, welcome to the show, dude. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks cool. for coming. Your yeah, first, our first ever uh, videoed episode. Yeah. And, you know, we, we invite a guy who wore a blazer, so I, I combed my hair and everything yeah. today. Did you know you were going to be on the air and that's why the blazer? Or you just... No, no, I got a, I got another thing tonight and it's also on the west side. Ooh. So I figured I'd just dress up for that and come here, you know. Yeah, it worked out. Fantastic. So you started Playboy magazine in Israel. That's what I did. Yeah. That is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Take you. A- Standing ovation. Yeah. That's uh, when did that happen? It was in 2011. I uh, made Aliyah, immigrated to Israel. You got to explain America. stuff like you got to yeah. dumb it down the Jewish stuff. To made Aliyah. <laughs> made Aliyah. No, I'm throwing out the words so we can all learn yeah, a, yeah, a yeah, new exactly. word here. Making, yeah, yeah. making Aliyah is what you call it when you move to Israel. Okay. And I uh, that was in 2011. Then in the middle of 2012, I started the magazine. I went, I, before I moved to Israel, I was a lawyer. I was working in New York, then in Chicago. And through the law community, I knew all the lawyers from Playboy because their headquarters were in Chicago. Okay. So we met each other, and one day they gave me this big box filled with Playboy editions from all over the world, like Yugoslavia and Russia and all oh, these wow. things. That, the, awesome. East, the Eastern Bloc ones were the really slutty ones. <laughs> nice. Okay. The, there was a Singapore one that had no nudity. Really? Oh. Yeah. And no bubblegum? Yeah. In, in China and Japan, they had all the products except the magazine. They had like sure. the lunch boxes. And... I remember that you had a, it still is a fashion thing. People wear like yeah. collared shirts, like polo shirts that have a Playboy bunny on them. Oh, a lot of like but, Chinese businessmen will wear Playboy belts, Playboy shoes. Playboy but they don't have clothing. the magazine, or they do have the. They don't, and I'm not even sure they're aware what it is. Oh, yeah. it's just like a fashion. It's just a fashion thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so they so bring it to China. So they have me over in their office in Chicago at their headquarters to to learn about how the whole license arrangement works. And I'm sitting there with them. I know some of the lawyers, but I'm meeting the people on the business side. And you're surrounded by these pictures all over the wall of covers throughout the years. So you're in this business meeting surrounded by naked photos. It's like we're surrounded by all these records of comedians. Yeah. And you're it's like yeah. <laughs> kind of like that. But you're so you're trying to make it look like you're not trying to look at the wall. Sure. Oh yeah. But but it's but you can't because your eyes are darting all over. And a couple of years later, when people were in my office, I learned that once you have it there every day, you stop noticing it. I would imagine. Right. But everyone who comes in for a meeting feels, you know, like they're trying not to look. So it's really entertaining when you're sitting there. It's a good icebreaker. Yeah. It's a good also way not to be nervous, yeah. picture people naked. You're like, yeah. I got you, yeah, so you, you look at their eyes darting and you just laugh at them. Yeah. So <laughs> so we put it together. I put together a license. I go to Israel. So what happened? Yeah. You looked at all those and you realized there was none for Israel? There was none for Israel. At first I thought it was a thing. I, I sort of said half joking, like, why don't you have one in Israel? You got a problem with Israel? Yeah. And they said, no, we, we only launch it if there's a local person there who is interested in it and is going to do it on the ground. Got it. And I said, well, I was going to be moving to Israel. Why don't I do so it? So you didn't have a plan for job. You were just going to move to Israel. I was, I was going to move. I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. But then I thought, well, this is a good as This is as good an idea as any. Is <laughs> yeah. either this or working at a law firm. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. To work on a kibbutz. I mean, yeah, what are you work do on that? a kibbutz. Yeah. Planting and Sounds stuff. Sounds way less fun. <laughs> yeah. And wow. And so you worked it out with these lawyers to take Playboy magazine to Israel. Yeah. And when you get there, what's step one? Step one is you got to build a team, right? And uh, is that the way it was for Mr. Softy too? You, you got sit there. You got to. You got people, yeah, right? you need staff. You need uh, specific uh, local staff. People who know. Like yeah, you have to start hiring people. Um, but then at some point you also have to build an ice cream truck. And I guess yeah. your version of that is a, a, a magazine, but then you also have to model. I, like These are all yeah. my questions. You have to have models? Or are you imp- like using foreign uh, journalists? No, I mean, every every step of this is like a whole story. Okay. But, you know, we build a team. I wanted a, a really good 
uh, editor-in-chief, and I wanted it to be a woman because I wanted to make a statement that we're, we're professional, we're doing this in a way that's comfortable for everybody, we're looking out for quality, and I got a great woman. Almost everyone on the, on the team was, was women, the, the PR people, the designer, the, the graphic designer, every, almost everybody. So we bring her in, we start hiring everyone we need, build an office, we got all the technology we need, and then for a photo shoot, you hire a photographer, a designer, a lighting person, all the things you need on a shoot, and you get a model. And in the beginning, it was a little hard because people in Israel are thinking, oh my God, it's going to ruin my career. It's this, you know, sort of... Uh, Smut. Yeah, what, this thing that's not above board. So they don't have any magazines like that in Israel at the time? Like there's no Hustler? Well, there's, there's, no, uh, like, there's one magazine that's kind of, of like, Just 18. Yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> barely legal. Well, there's one that's the equivalent of like uh, sort of Maxim. Okay. You know, this is kind of... Uh, it's not full nudity, but in my opinion, it's actually sluttier. Right. Because right. it's not the lifestyle thing where you have like the good scotch and the cars and the clothes. It's yeah. just, you know, kind of smutty. Were you guys going full nudity? We were going full nudity. In the end, what we did, we actually did market surveys. Or what was the original idea yeah. is to go full nudity? Well, the, the original idea is to do whatever fits the market. And okay. so we did market surveys. And what we discovered was uh, people want full nudity on top and implied nudity under the waist. Mm. But people. if you do less people. than that, people are disappointed. If you do more than that, they get a little uncomfortable. Just specifically in that market. Every yeah. market's different. So we, we at first it was hard to get models. But once we had an issue and then two and three, the models started realizing that it doesn't hurt your career. It doesn't ruin your life. It actually helps your career. And then we had models coming to us. Who was your first model? Our first model was an Israeli, uh, a well-known Israeli uh, actress and model named Natalie Dadon, who had gotten famous from a couple reality shows. She was on the cover, and then inside we had Maureen Teremitz, who was uh, another person who had made Aliyah to Israel a bunch of years ago and was a professional dancer. And we had a huge release. We had Associated Press and Reuters and uh, CNN did a live segment on us. It, it, it got a lot of... Uh, a lot of buzz. And what yeah. um, w- did they take convincing, or were they excited? Did they get it conceptually right away? Is that why they were the first ones? Um, Maureen did. Natalie took a little bit of talking, but she came around. And that, but that was the first edition. Once you know it. See, the thing is, everybody has this idea in their head. Oh, like I have no problem with it, but everyone else in Israel is going to freak out. Okay. And my mom's going to see it. You know. <laughs> oh. Right. And but then once right. you, people saw that Israel wasn't freaking out and Israel was okay with it. They started relaxing a little bit, and it worked out. I remember seeing. I remember when you when you put it out, or I remember reading like the articles and seeing the the, the, uh, the you videos. Saw it? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was yeah. following all this. It was fascinating, and a lot of the a lot of the press, from what I remember, was commenting not on the magazine, but on what they assumed the local population was going to think of the magazine. Yeah, that was the most interesting part. Did you find? And they, they I, from what I remember, it seemed they think that it was they were not going to accept it in some way or something like that. What What did you find? Did people actually didn't care? No, people didn't care. You know, my pet peeve. Maybe it's because I, I'm a lawyer. Is that I, I, it bothers me when people form their worldview around what they assume is going to be the case rather than opening your eyes and seeing what actually is the case. People in Israel, I hardly met anyone in Israel who had a problem with it. I met a lot of people who assumed everyone else would have a problem with it. And that was the challenge with advertisers. It's like, even what the TV article, I mean, the TV, the, the coverage was yeah. like. Yeah. yeah. But then, well, first of all, we had, 
we had people from, everyone was concerned about the ultra-Orthodox. Right. The ultra-Orthodox were some of our best customers. <laughs> of course they were. Yeah. <laughs> they would, well, they, would, they didn't want to buy it in the store because they don't want to be seen, right? Okay. Oh. And we didn't market it in any stores in Orthodox neighborhoods. We had no advertisements there because we're being respectful. So they all bought sus- subscriptions. Oh. oh. And, ah, those okay. are the best customers. And they yeah. call us up. They'd be like, listen, I just want to make sure, I, I'm an Orthodox guy. I live in this, this neighborhood. Yeah. Maya Shareem's like super religious. Oh, Maya Shareem. Wow. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in that's Maya hardcore. Shareem. That's You mean? and I were there. You remember that? That's his neighborhood in Jerusalem that's like, yeah, we've been yeah. there together. We had piss thrown at us together. Yeah, because, because we had piss <laughs> thrown at you? Well, not at us. It was at the women in the group. We should well, say that the two of you are old friends. Yes, yeah, we, we are we, old we, friends. We, we traveled Israel together. We, that's where I met him. And, well, and the women in the group were wearing shorts that went above their knees. Right. So, it's, you know. it's a very religious community that's also like not only religious, but it's like looks like it's in Poland in like the 1800s or something, right? Would yeah, you say? It, Is that it, still that way? Except with Mediterranean weather. Right, Mediterranean weather and cell phones. The, yeah. That's the only technology yeah. allowed in is like cell phones, but it's everything like, else is like very old. And yeah, so they get mad when pe- they get mad when tourists come in general. But then if like we- why? Because they don't want to be treated like like zoo animals. Like zoo animals. Yeah. And then if any women in your group are not dressed like as modestly as humanly possible, their reaction is to throw stuff at you, including like bags <laughs> bags Wait. of miscellaneous water that I thought might have. In my mind, it was pissed. That's how I yeah. remembered it. But uh, and these are Hacidic Jewish people. Yes, <laughs> throwing yeah. things at you. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like, what? It's, I, but I this mean, is before they had Playboy magazine. They're much yes. mellow now. They've chilled yeah, out. Doing the Lord's work. Them out. Yes, exactly. That is exactly what I'm doing. Yes. So they call the P office. I'm like, look, my name is uh, Shtissel from Maya Shareem. <laughs> That's one of our listeners, I think. Shout out to Shtissel. <laughs> That's a surge from Queens. Shtissel in the house. And he says, I just want to make sure it's going to come, you know, in an opaque envelope because the neighbors and blah, blah, blah. And we actually. It's like how people order, like, dick pills. <laughs> our, <laughs> our credit card processing had a generic, like, media oh. company name on it yeah. so that it wouldn't show up on your bill as anything. Really? You know, yeah. In America, do they do that? Or no, it just comes as Playboy. I, th- I think in America, it just comes as Playboy. Yeah. yeah. but It's Playboy. Yeah. It's not even, it's just, yeah. In America, it's considered, you know, yeah. it's, play, but it's we, middle of the road. But in America, they got rid of nudity. Did they bring it back? In they did. Yeah. They, I, that I'm failed. almost positive. Yeah. They realized no, they, that was the they got They got rid of it. They brought it back. But yeah. you would know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, and uh, Hef, by the way, is uh, is a big Israel fan. Oh. Did Hef come, so did it Hef was, come, I should say, was. Sure. Did Hef, oh yeah, did Hef come to... Check out any of this? He didn't go to Israel, but I went to him. I brought brought my entire staff to the Playboy Mansion for for training. Really? Training. I'm doing air quotes now, training. (laughs) It it actually, it was like journalism fantasy camp. We sat there (laughs) in the offices before we got to the mansion. And the whole day, hour after hour, top people from the field, photographers come in, give us a talk. Wow. Managing editor comes in, give us a, a talk. Like all and the, like Jimmy Jelenic is the managing editor at the time, and I was more nervous to meet him than Hef because sure. he was like a celebrity in my mind. Yeah, and uh, then we go to the the mansion for lunch. <laughs> What's and, for lunch? <laughs> uh, the, he's got a private chef. Yeah, the he's bunny got, like, serve it, and like they, they had like menus printed up just for us. Oh. Playboy Israel, welcome to the mansion. It's <laughs> amazing. And they had a bunny show us. He around. must have been pretty pumped that he, his magazine was opening in Israel. He was pretty. Uh, he was pretty excited. He was really well. He's got this funny way of talking. He's like, "Well, I'm, I'm producing a movie here with Ben Affleck. I got to run to that." He's oh, like doing yeah. ten things at once. Sure, I can you know imagine. the mind is going like crazy, and he's yeah. like 112 and years old. Someone's old. giving a blowjob while I'm saying all this. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, multitasking. He, he was wearing. A silk robe. Was he? Uh, yeah. So that's just his. He just that's does just that. what he does. That's what he yeah. does. Wow. It's his uniform. Yeah. 
And after that, you know, he, uh, I, I said to him, you know, if you can't make it out to Israel, would you make us like a little video introduction? Sure. So he's real into backgammon, which in the Middle East is sheshbesh, you know. Such an old man. Yeah. <laughs> so he sits there with all his, his like designer backgammon boards in front of him. <laughs> Amazing. On his couch in the mansion. And he, he makes this great video. He's like, well, uh, Playboy Israel, we're really excited for you to be part of the Playboy family. <laughs> That's, <amazing>. That's great. <laughs> So he, he gave us a, a nice introduction. But I was making a point here, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, um, let's see. I don't know. There's so many things that are fascinating about this story. Uh, we were talking about the first few uh, models you had. First few models, yeah. So what was hiring? Were you hiring? How do you find are these photographers, all these kind of people, are they um, out independent contractors? Are you yeah. hiring a staff? The, well, our staff was an editorial team, a graphic designer, a producer, that sort of thing. We had a PR firm on retainer, so it was almost like staff. Uh, for photo shoots, we worked at independent contractors because a shoot is one day a month. So you yeah. don't need them hanging around all the time. And you hire the, the photographer, and they like to bring on a, a set designer and they, the person who figures out what clothes they should wear. You got hair and makeup, which is for like two hours in the morning. And you bring in the, the models, and it's funny, people would say, did this make you sort of like a vain person, now you can only go out with women who are whatever. And it actually is the opposite. You just, you realize how theatrical it is, mm. and you sort of become less sensitized to things that are not real. What's not real? Well, you know, first of all, you spend two hours in hair and makeup in the morning. I see. Like, you know how every woman looks amazing on her wedding? Yes. Because you have a team of professionals. This, every photo shoot is, mm. is this. Yeah. So you're saying the models are all ugly? When no. no, I mean, look, they're pretty. They're cute. But, <laughs> hey, wait, has Esther yeah. Steinberg ever worked for you? <laughs> she was in Penthouse. Yeah. We have a, a regular on our uh, pot, a comedian yeah. in New York City who uh, does did Penthouse not too long ago. But, but if Playboy Israel would be, yeah. she's big in Israel, so. Is she really? Let's make, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. Oh, that, we'll be saying, that would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, she That's did. better than Penthouse in America. Yeah, yeah. Playboy Israel. So, did, um, well, so we had, I, I, I said to my team, you know, it's really important that our first interview, because the Playboy interview is a big deal. You know, they had sure. Jimmy Carter, they had Martin Luther but, King. I said, we've got to start off strong, and it's got to be a local. We, can, we could import and translate any content we wanted. Yeah. This was all in Hebrew. You know, it was the first right to left Playboy magazine. You wow. opened it the other Hebrew way. Hebrew goes that way, yeah. yeah. So we said, <laughs> when we're in the Playboy offices at the annual convention, you know, everyone lays out oh, their magazines. Convention. And ours is there, and it's like backwards. So I said, we got to start strong. And we're pushing and pushing, and everyone's afraid on the first issue to be in the magazine. We ended up give, getting Avi Dichter, who was the former head of the Shin Bet, which was like Israeli FBI. Wow. Badass guy. That's amazing. And, and telling stories. And, and it's telling stories. He was in this uh, movie called The Gatekeepers. Which was uh, it? It got a, a nominated for an Oscar for best uh, foreign documentary. So this is a legit guest. And yeah. And when you met with to back a little bit, when you met with like mm. half and the actual Interview. Playboy people in America, was there like certain parameters? Are they like you need to follow? Like this is how we do it, or you can sort of do your yeah, own. Yeah, I mean they have parameters, and then within those parameters, yeah, it's it's like any franchise, any which you know, I was like when, ask, you, yeah. when you went over to Jimmy Conway's yeah. house in uh, JFC <laughs> in, in New Jersey, he did, did you go to the Jimmy the Conway th- mansion? I did. I've been to the Jimmy Conway mansion. The J- yeah, JFC. He, he brought you in and said this. His he served lunch and everything, and then he told you how yeah, to do it. Yeah, there was all these bunnies, bunnies walking around. <laughs> he was a, not too far off actually. Yeah. He was re- uh, recently single oh, as right. a 55, 60 year old man at that point. So. Um, yeah, so it was a franchise model. It's a franchise model. They give you a lot of flexibility because they want. They realize that content for publication has to meet what the locals want. Yeah. But at the same time, they want to fit what you know the brand needs. So there's this balance within this framework. You can do whatever you want, but you also want to fit the framework. 
So what percentage of the articles, uh, the models, was local versus like taken from the main, like the American magazine? We started out at about 60-40, 60% local, 40% foreign, and the cover model and centerfold was always local. But in any given Playboy, there's usually three, at least three different uh, photo spreads, and only one of them is a centerfold spread. So we would have one local, and that would be the centerfold spread, and then we'd have two foreign. And the reason you do foreign is because there's no real cost, because you just take it from this, they call it the archive, and, mm. and it's this, this library. And now, I mean, now it's on the internet, so it's not a literal library, but every publication in the world uploads their content. So you can take from anyone you want. Like 1974 Playboy. <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you what, there was a, a 1970-something Playboy, I think it was 78, that was the, the Women of Israel. Ooh. Oh. And, and so we reprinted a bunch of the photos from that. People went. It, it was. It's funny because Israelis are thinking, "Oh, this could never be in Israel," but and yet it, it already was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ironically, I think the '70s were a more chill time there. Yeah. That's most places. Actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> '70s is pretty chill. What was the marketing strategy for this? Was it? Um, were you going old school? Like, but if it never had happened there before, like, yeah. What was the awareness of Playboy brand to Israelis even before you? Yeah, got very there? high awareness. Everybody okay. knows what Playboy is. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, the problem. And they is must have been able to get American or. They could get magazines, right? Or they yeah, could I mean, they foreign. could get foreign editions, yeah. too. Everyone knows what it is. The problem is people come with their assumptions, yeah. right? So in some ways, it works against you a little bit. But we, the idea was to first get a lot of organic media, have a big opening, a big press conference, and we did get a lot of hype from that. And the next is just having magazines on the stands. You know, in a city, you walk past the, the bodegas and you see the, the magazines, you know, yeah. on display. So that it's almost like mini billboards. Right, right. So that was our strategy. And this was still 2011, 12, when people still read magazines. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of going out a little bit, but, you know, there's still a niche market for it. What we found was uh, the the problem is is that in Israel, there's a lot of illegal monopolies, and the Mm -hmm. the government doesn't really enforce. They got monopolies on food distribution, on uh, natural gas, all sorts of things. So one of the monopolies is on the distribution of magazines and newspapers, and one of the... uh, uh, the the family that owns that monopoly also happens to own the competing publication, which is the one I told you that's like Max. The Maxim magazine. Yeah. So they're owned by someone else. So then they start causing trouble with yeah. the government. With so you they, oh, no, they just started. They just wouldn't let enough of our magazines get onto the newsstands. And oh. people would call us and they'd complain. They'd say, "I'm trying to buy it. It's always sold out. Where can I get it? It's not at my local so, drugstore." So they go to the newsstands and say, "You can only carry this many Playboys." Or we're well, all... they control what's on the shelves. So they oh. would go to the newsstands and just stock the shelves with whatever they want. And I'd go to them. I'd say, "You know, I went to a bunch of newsstands today. It's not there." And they're like, "Well, maybe they didn't want it." I said, "Well, I talked to the people at the newsstand, and they said it just never showed up." So that became an issue for a while, and ultimately we had to either go against one of Israel's most powerful families or stop the uh, the project. And oh. uh, I just didn't have the resources to sit sure, on that fight. Sure, fight him. Sounds like what happened to me. But yeah. my, the Yours powerful the gov- family, mine was the government. The Chinese government's even more powerful probably. Yeah. Was there any opportunity to work with this family or no? They had no interest. No, I actually talked to them and they said, and it's actually reasonable um, when you think about it. I actually now teach a business course at one of Israel's universities called the IDC and I use this as a case study. And he said to me, why would I ever enter into a partnership with a product that competes with one of my own when I could just have a monopoly for my own product? 
That's what the guy said? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of shameless that he just was like, yeah, I've got a monopoly and I'm keeping it, which right. is blatantly illegal. Yeah. But he, Whose you know. job is it to enforce this? Who do we got to talk to? Do I got to call BB? Who do uh, I got to call? Yeah, well, look, I'll tell you what. You know, there are all these uh, criminal cases now against BB. It's this whole scandal thing. And who knows if any of them will- well, Clearly, you guys yeah. should have been sending him some champagne and whatnot. Yeah, well, <laughs> but, I'll, but here's the thing. One of the indictments against BB right now names the guy, the head of the family that we were up against. Oh, so wow. It's, it's, uh, so yeah. if he could go down- yeah, well, Playboy we could rise from the ashes. We'll bring it back. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the election results would be different if people knew that you're not only voting, uh, you know, Gantz you're voting for Playboy. You're voting, you're voting for Playboy, for Playboy. <laughs> right? If if people only knew. <laughs> so was it a thing like a um, you were bringing it back? You, I mean, you're bringing it to Israel as a nostalgic thing or as like a new counterculture thing? A new counterculture thing because I realized you know you walk in Tel Aviv right now it's Gay Pride Week in Tel Aviv shout yeah. out and NPH is out there Neil Patrick Harris yeah he's in Israel he's, we he's, gotta get him on the pod when he gets he, back gay, <laughs> pride, gay Pride Parade in Israel is a great topic <laughs> yeah he's at the Pride Parade now he's the international ambassador to the Pride Parade wow the MC he's, some, yeah, the New he's Times on, on the float sporting a stash nice and you know we, I, the culture in Israel is evolving Right. So I thought, look, it's a perfect time. And from a market point of view, it is. It's not for everybody, but there is a niche for it. And there are people who feel a little rebellious and they want to stick up in a way. But uh, there's also those business systems that you got to compete against, which is yeah, a very China kind of yeah. phenomenon to deal with. I feel like here for a couple of years, um, like especially like 2016, 17, when it, the height of the, all the, the Me Too stuff, it wouldn't have been a good time. Is that over now? Like, you're, you're saying it like... <laughs> well, it's definitely less. Right, okay. Right? Well, less, yeah. It's yeah. not yeah. as uh, frantic as it was a year or right. two ago. Bringing back Playboy would be... Or, well, Playboy still exists, but yeah. Well, my question is, Playboy, I'm sure, during like a year ago, would have been seen as something not... like. Well, it's hard to figure out what's counterculture. Well, you used to joke yeah. like people read Playboy for the articles, but then I felt like Playboy literally started to pump up the articles in America. But also, the history like, of Playboy is a giant counterculture thing. Like the Playboy at the um, the mansion in, in uh, Hepburn would have like black comedians perform when no one yeah. would allow them to, black musicians, and then it turned into this thing that was like somehow seen as like anti-women or whatever. And so I'm trying to figure out where it lands now in the culture, right? As and even in Israel, but in a country like Israel, it's just such different parameters because, like, that is an actual country. It's like a religious country, but in theory, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. But then yeah. it's like secularizing to many people, so it's well, yeah, going in the direction. Israel didn't really have the whole uh, Me Too phenomenon in the way America did. Yeah, and it is in Israel something like this is a little counterculture because you're kind of saying, "Hey, I'm I'm not going to be sort of modest and religious." Which not that not all of Israel is that way, but the people who aren't like to stand up and declare it a little bit. And the Israeli, I mean, I'm picturing the stereotypical Israeli man is pretty uh, aggressive with, uh, yeah, with well. the women. <laughs> so, so they better hope there's no meat. Yeah, yeah. No, no, the whole the whole country would go down. <laughs> yeah, it would be it would have been good for me. I was trying to compete with Israeli men was never a good idea. No, listen, you come to my house, my yeah. mother, she make dinner, we yeah. do Shabbat. Yeah, and, and, and they have a soldier for American girls. They have a soldier uniform like yeah. ready at all. T like it's impossible competition. Yeah. You, you, oh, wow. you got the uh, oh, to put on. Yeah, because they've all been in the army. It's sure. not even it's like, like Fleet Week, yeah, but all the time. Every yeah. single man in the country's been in the army. Yeah. yeah. So in Israel, yeah. have, saying I was in the army, it's like saying I went to high school. Everyone's yeah. done it. Big deal. Yeah. But then the American, but the American girls were like, like oh my god, he's like so Israeli. It's like oh. totally amazing. <sighs> Yeah. And the soldier's like, no, at least then you come to my house, we do naked. <laughs> <laughs> it and, writes itself. And my favorite part is... <laughs> oh, now, that's so cute how he says that. Now that I've been there for a while, I spent a year volunteering in the army, 
I, I know from looking Whoa. at the uniform whether a guy's a, a combat guy or like whether a he's, guy. he's a, a kitchen guy. Yeah. Sure. And a lot of these guys, they're like, you know, from the kitchen special forces. <laughs> and they're like, I am from these special forces. I protect my country. Cap, you need to get Teddy Kaplan to go be a kitchen guy. Yeah. Well, you know, this is so funny because when I lived in L.A. after college and yeah. I was like, had no direction in anything. And there was st- Israel. There was like some terrorism stuff going on. Like, Unlike and, now, yeah, like now exactly. <laughs> I have so much going on now. So I was like looking at like things you can do when you're young and don't have kids and everything. I was like, oh, I could go to Israel and volunteer. And I somehow got on the phone with some guy in LA, and I exactly like your voice you just did. And I'm like, what can I do in the army? He's like, oh, you know, you can pack soldiers' lunches. Cap, you <laughs> wouldn't be able to handle no. the and army. I was like, so I was like, pack soldiers' lunches. That's like, exactly. he's like, oh, he goes, you could clean the Uzis and pack their lunches. Ooh. And I was like, well, if I clean the Uzis, I'm going to set them off back. So <laughs> and I just, the most emasculating thing I could be is like packing lunch. Here you go, soldiers. Here you go. I made a peanut butter and jelly. Have a great day at school today. <laughs> but, but like, could, you you, could the, would the girls have known the difference in the nah, uniform? But all you need to do is get yourself on a birthright bus with that uniform, oh. and you just tell them they, I'm in. Did they special, give you an Uzi? Special lunch forces. <laughs> special lunch force division. <laughs> what did you do in the in the military for? Well, a year? I was, you know, I was there after the age where they actually let you conscript. Mm. So was this after that, Playboy? Uh, this was after Playboy. Wow, really? Yeah, I was uh, a little. You know, I finished the project. I'm like, well, what do I want to do next? I thought, well, I'm going to take a year, find myself, spend some time on army bases. <laughs> this is a good like, movie idea. <laughs> Middle-aged guy. Polish, starring Polly Shore. <laughs> this is Stripes. American <laughs> so, lawyer. Yeah, American lawyer on an army base. And so I'm not officially a soldier. I'm officially a civilian. But I'm in uniform. I'm living in barracks. I'm eating lunch in the mess with the soldiers. And then you're packing lunches? And, yeah, well, I wasn't packing it, lunches, but I did clean, uh, not Uzis. I cleaned M16s. Okay, yeah. And occasionally advanced. Tavors. <laughs> and I packed medical supplies. Like when you hear about Israel going off to... To, to Haiti to set up a field hospital. We packed those hospitals. They that all come you. in these boxes. That was me. Oh. I didn't go there, but I packed them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like you yeah. went there. You did enough. Wow. Yeah. When they go out for, uh, when there's an emergency, you don't have time to get all your supplies, so you pack what's called a kit bag in advance that every soldier has with everything they need. And the kit bag's different depending on your specialty. So we'd pack kit bags and make sure it has the right a gas mask or the right bomb detector or all the things that you need in it. Well, that's Holy yeah. cow. They should have like a, a little eye phone with a with some podcasts in case you're stuck somewhere <laughs> listen to lost in america uh back to wait back to playboy for a second um do you think that if this family wouldn't have come in that it would have been still going today i think if this uh yeah if that system of monopolies wasn't there i know it would be going because we had enough market studies that we knew how many people wanted to be buying it and we know how many complaints were coming in of you know where's where is it in the stores and in, in Israel, for whatever reason, people like to go to point of sale. They don't like to do subscription. Okay. Except for Shissel and Meisherim. Yeah. Old except for, yeah, except for Shissel <laughs> and Meisherim. Old man Shissel. Yeah. Shout out. So I can't get my Playboy in the store. I don't understand <laughs> it. So we get, we get them to uh, – uh, we, we, we totaled up. We had a business model. We knew how many people we should be selling to. Right. And from there, you can compare it against your fixed costs and your variable costs, and you make the calculation. And, you know, it was not going to be a billion-dollar startup. It wasn't going to be ways, yeah. but it would have been a very healthy business. And there's money. Because you started this long after, like, everyone assumed print died. Like, that was, like, 2006. That's very so there's money in, you think you can make money in print still? It's, it's a niche. Look, there's still money in AM radio, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's not big, but, you know, it's enough for a certain number of companies to f- have a niche. Yeah. Yeah, it's not podcasting big. But, yeah. you know, it's not, like, it's not, it's not see you live. We're not going to AM it's radio. It's not lost in America big. <laughs> not but. lost in America. Um, 
And uh, so, what about advertisers? They they weren't scared to advertise with you. Some were. Uh, some we got a number that that did advertise, especially luxury products. Like we had a, a line of luxury watches, uh, and uh, we had an importer that rolled a gentleman's stuff. magazine. Yeah, that's what that was the idea. We had a number of different liquor companies that would you know high end scotches and things like that. But um, there were also advertisers we'd sit down with, and they'd say, in all honesty, I think it's great, but I'm going to lose all my customers. Yeah. And then we'd sit and we'd say, yeah, listen, all those customers you're thinking of losing, they're calling us and subscribing. You're talking about Stissel from me. <laughs> this is like Howard Stern's old thing. Yeah, Remember? Yeah, like yeah. Every, all, the, all the subscribers were, all the advertisers were dropping him. Meanwhile, his like ratings were going up and up and up and up and up and up and up. This yeah. is the Howard Stern of Israel. Right here, she just yeah. went straight into his his uh, his his uh, advertising company. So what? So then, what happened when it was over? You just sort of there was no like trying to sell it, or you just you yeah, no, just had to. I mean, you know, you could, you could only sell it if it was if it was had enough of a revenue stream to sell it. So actually, I I almost sold it. I did almost sell it. There there were some interested buyers, but they were shady characters. And I didn't want the brand name associated with them. Yeah. I didn't want my name in the newspaper next to their name. Oh. And so... Uh, you didn't I, want to let Hef down either. I didn't want to let Hef down. And would you have needed their approval, Playboy's approval? They'd have to approve who was taking over the uh, You know, that's an interesting license. question. I, I mean, speaking as a recovering lawyer, I, I found um, it, there wasn't a prohibition on me selling the company, the ownership of the company. Interesting. But I couldn't trans transfer the license to a different company. But my own company, but the company itself. That's a loophole. You know, yeah, it's an interesting so loophole. a good lawyer. Blue yeah. shirt, watch out. We might need a new lawyer on the pod. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, if I sell to a shady character, my name's in the newspaper next to his, right? And I'm always going to be connected Ooh. with this guy. Speaking of that, extra question. You had all that press. Did you ever get recognized as the Playboy guy? I, I did once in a while. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I got, like... A couple of times, a guy, people would stop me in the street. Oh, it was like, a guy. Hey. <laughs> uh, well, guys, that was, that was the thing. Guys yeah. loved it. Yeah. The guys would be like, oh, my, totally nice to meet you, man. That's amazing. Yeah, the Playboy guy. Yeah. And, and he's really happy. People would be like, wow, it's so cool. You're like so down to earth. You're so normal. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, think? you're supposed to be normal. Right, what do they think like, you're going to be? <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's the thing. The when, magazine business. When you get a little notoriety, it. it's like, just by doing things you're supposed to do you anyway. You get credit just for not being a prick. You get yeah. yeah you get credit for That's not being an asshole. That's why I want to be famous. Yeah. yeah I mean, exactly. if you're in the, look in the heyday of print, you would have become a prick. Yeah. But, definitely. You know, you know, that's you know this this day and age. And, and, you know, it was nice uh, with respect to like women didn't really like stop me on the street, but when I was in industry. You know, women would uh, would be interested because of their careers and stuff. And see, right. they'd be like, "Oh, if I sleep with you, do I get in the magazine?" No. <laughs> uh, you know, surprisingly, he's yeah. not answering that. <laughs> that was, by the way, that was a hard yes. <laughs> with that, change the way. No, I tell you what. Actually, my job was very much. Um, I mean, I was, I was. Uh, it was a business job. I was. Going over spreadsheets and contracts yeah. and things like Just that. Lunch pail, <laughs> bring pack a lunch. Spread, like nah, you and me, hard hat. Hard hat. The, the photographers <laughs> and those guys were having uh, were having all the fun. Mm. Those photographers. Yeah. Sounds yeah, sounds like a disaster. I should have volunteered instead of packing soldiers' lunches. Volunteered to work at Playboy. We should have just gone to work for him. We should have done that. I would have moved. Oh, you should have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know the nice thing about it though is Israel's kind of a small country. So people in Israel are famous, but they're not real famous. They're like Israel famous, you know. And anyone I wanted to meet, I just pick up the phone and be like, "Hey, that's awesome, Daniel, Playboy, Mm -hmm. could we have coffee?" And they say yes. Yeah. Anyone? Yeah. Anyone? uh, People in military politics. But I wanted to. I sat down with the head of the IDF. Head of Hamas? No. No, no I, but I. Well, head of, that, you know, I probably could have. <laughs> they likes Playboy. They, those, what did, yeah, yeah, what I was going to say, like, you could have used Playboy to make peace. Like, if you start sending 
you know, Playboy magazines to the ter- you know you could maybe to the, like, ter- oh, ter- yeah. to the territories and to the different Arab countries. You'd uh, be like, oh, these Israeli girls, I'm falling in love with them. Let's well, we're all similar. I'm sure. Uh, all, well, <laughs> sure, it would have worked. I'll tell you something. I, I know you're joking, but our analytics on all of our digital media showed that 15 percent of our engagement online was from Arab countries. There you go. And, and I don't just mean like the soft ones like Jordan and Egypt. I mean like full on hardcore <laughs> hard <laughs> Arabs, yeah. hard Arabs, <laughs> like Saudi Arabia. And, yeah, yeah, Saudi Arabia, Lebanon, Syria. Oh, back when Syria? Syria was still a place. Oh wow! <laughs> Afghanistan. Um, I don't know the internet. Well, Afghanistan isn't uh, isn't Arab. Oh yeah. I can't remember if we had any from there, but um, they <laughs> they they would leave comments in Arabic, and they were positive ones because oh, yeah. unless the one time it got a little negative is there was a war in 2014, would, and we sent some magazines down to the front. We sent a whole stack there. Really? And, and I said for the to, troops. Yeah, for the troops. <laughs> nice. Support our troops. Support our boys. And I said, you know, you can have as many as you want. Just do me one thing. Take a few selfies of you reading the magazine. We'll put it up on our uh, digital media on, on Facebook, which was still a thing back then. I guess it's not anymore. <laughs> yeah. And we we uh, so I put it up, and then we got some comments from our Arabic followers saying some nasty things. But other than that, when it unless it got political or related to a war, it was just they love the women, they love the culture. That's awesome. I don't imagine Playboy was that political. Did it? In general, no, I mean, look, like I said, we had an interview with Avi Dichter, oh, who's true. a Shin Bet. We had an interview with the head of Israel's nuclear commission. Ooh. So we we touched on politics. Did he go into things they don't talk about normally? Because they don't actually admit to having nuclear. Right? Well, they it's have like a, they have nuclear energy, right. which they oh, admit to. I'll talk about that. Yeah. Until, yeah, and they they don't have. I'm yeah. saying this in air quotes. It's they the don't most air quoted thing ever. Is Israel yeah. will not officially <laughs> say they have nuclear weapons. Yeah, <laughs> so that's interesting. But, but they most do have a nuclear air- commission, and they right. do have a guy who's the head of it. Yeah. So so um, and then what are you up to now? You're working in media, right? I am. We uh, afterwards, I ended up joining an organization called Honest Reporting, which looks out for bias or inaccuracy in the media about Israel, which believe it or not happens a little bit. And uh, you could have, could you help Turner with his problem with the New York Times? I tell you, New York, yeah. Times is, <laughs> New York Times is one of our favorite targets. You're a lawyer. Let's sue him for not quoting me. Oh my me. God. They're, they're like the bane of my existence. Oh, yeah. you know, they you just, and me both. They published this <laughs> cartoon that was like, oh, you know what I'm talking the about? Super, um, yeah. The, with the dog uh, and the thing. They had, anti-Semitic It, it was a dog with BB's face with a Jewish star hanging around his neck. <laughs> And a blind Donald Trump being led as if it were a guide dog. Yes. And, and the idea is that, that. that Jews control the government. That was like something out of like World War II Hitler. Yeah, it was a I mean, it really Sturmer. Was. It was. It was written by actually by a Portuguese cartoon artist who has done a lot of anti-Semitic stuff in the past and mimics the Der Sturmer Nazi style of cartoons. And Turner just wants to hear, did you dox that guy? That's all terrible. I, I like doxing. <laughs> I'm pro doxing. Doxing. Does that does that mean like? The, I just learned hits? what it means, but it, <laughs> it means attacking them and like uh, like um, uh, revealing their home address. Yeah, oh, all their information. <laughs> so people can attack them online. I or, think it's or, illegal. Yeah. Oh, we we didn't right. do no, that. Dan does it on the up and up. He yeah, just we, tries to educate people. We're, right? we're on the up and he's up. Not so, a, he's not. So I started the organization as a, a content editor, reading the news every day, writing about things like that. And then uh, because they knew that I had the background in law and business and ironically in Playboy, but it, to them it was business experience. Uh, when there was a shakeup at the top levels, they asked me to be the CEO executive director. So that's what I'm doing now. And that's why I'm in New York now is, is uh, talking at some things and doing some fundraising, that sort You've of gotta thing. Got to bring in that's the Jewish money for, yes. uh, for Honest Reporting. So go, go check out HonestReporting.com. And that, they can find you there. They can all find of us our there. really pro-Israel listeners. That means my mom, yeah, my uncle, my dad, <laughs> yeah. all you guys. 
Check it out. <laughs> yeah. yes. I have cousins in Israel. Ca- ca- Cap's, cap- mom, <laughs> Cap's mom, go check out honestreporting.com. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to find it on the YouTube. I can't find yeah, it. Yeah, she couldn't find C alive. We, I, got, I was relating. Oh, that. she's she, just trying She right can't now. get on, she said. <laughs> she can't get to work. Oh, so. well, that's a chance. All right, Dan, thanks for doing the pod, man. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Cap, should we get to the news? Let's get to the news. Play the music. First news story of the week comes to us from the Washington Post. Look at that. Fancy. I'm sure it's an enemy of dance. <laughs> yes. Ooh, la la. Dodgeball in PE class. Uh, dodgeball in PE classes teaches students to dehumanize and harm their peers, and it's a tool of oppression. Oh, I that, saw that one. Is it that a, is there saying says, that's a bad thing or a good thing? Professor from three Canadian universities said in a presentation this week at the Congress of Humanities and Social Sciences. Those weak Canadian professors. In Vancouver, dodgeball is a agent of a tool of oppression. Here's what I have to say. Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah, it's a good thing. <laughs> that's the whole point of dodgeball. Toughen you up. You were in the Israeli military. You don't think <laughs> they now. Play- they Canadian? play dodgeball in Israel, I'm sure. <laughs> Canadian kids can't handle dodgeball? I mean, American kids can't handle it anymore because they don't. My, uh, Teddy was at a birthday party about four months ago yeah. at, a, at a gym kind of place, and I know the person running it. And uh, she told me they play a lot of games. She said she tried to play dodgeball with the kids. Yeah. And they did not understand the rules, like because no one had ever played it before, to such a point where she abandoned it because she was like, "We don't have a lot of time." So they, and they couldn't get dodgeball right. None of the kids understood it. They never it, played it. You take a ball and you throw it at kids. <laughs> I, know. I imagine I, they don't play smear the queer anymore. Probably as well. Think? I don't know that game actually. We didn't play that. We That's the game where you throw a football in the air. Uh-huh. Whoever catches it, everyone just tackles them. And what is the? And then when part? they get tackled, what does that mean? I don't know. They're, what the fuck? Is that? <laughs> I never heard of that. That's huh? what the game was uh, called. You're just a and then if you fall down, if yeah. you get tackled, then you have to throw it in the air and then oh. whoever catches it, you just run away from everyone trying to tackle you. No, we didn't have that, but we did have do- I love dodgeball because like I was strategic about it. I was hiding the back. You yeah. know, like you wait, you wait, I was short. I never sure. hit. and then you get to the end and I'm like good at if you're good at it's like a great sport for like catching. Yeah. Just thrown hard. You just gotta catch it once. You knock that counter punch. it's a great sport. It's really Do you got butts up? Do you guys play that? What does that mean? That's like handball. It's a version of handball, except if you if you instead of getting like if you lose a point, instead of instead of losing a point, you just go stand against the wall with like your butt in the air. <laughs> and then everyone playing lines up this with a tennis ball. The they line up with a tennis ball uh-huh. and throw Throw it at you as fast as they possibly can. What is going on in California? You're in California. The mean streets of Northern California. Uh, Smear the queer and butts up. Yeah, yes. those are the two it, major games. Dodgeball. Those are the two major games. Like, you're <laughs> record. Those are as big as tetherball <laughs> and basketball. Wow. As big. No wonder why you. You're, you're, Shout out to Lake Forest <laughs> Elementary School. <laughs> yeah, what kind of school California. is this? <laughs> what about in Israel? Are they with the kids? Is it like the same way America is now? We're in Canada, apparently, where everyone's getting soft and you can't. Everything's oppressive. I would imagine. Nah, no. they yeah. didn't get all PC yet in Israel. Yeah, yeah, they're still. They they say what they think. Because they, they have to join the military. 
Yeah, I well, you know, the mili- some people in the military are combat soldiers, some are making sandwiches. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah. Right. But you got to make it, you still got to be tough. Yeah. You got to be able to handle it. Well, also, you know, just in, in general, people are, in, they haven't gotten all squirrely about words yet in Israel. They say what they think, mm. you know, which is sometimes too much. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be <laughs> like, no, 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 listen, you are an asshole. Yeah. Oh, that's, you know? it sounds good yeah. in that accent. Am I allowed to say that on, on the podcast? Is I just a, said smear the queer. Yeah, they you said, say whatever they you said want. we're PG 13 and that see a live. No, we're not. <laughs> He said. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Next story of the week. Oh, again, this is for our See Alive listeners, uh, viewers in Canada. Next story of the week comes to us from The Hill, Captain. All right. Wonder, is that a good one or a bad one? It's good. It's a good political publication. Justin Trudeau announces Canadian mm-hmm. ban of single-use plastic straws as early as 2021. Uh, uh, Single-use plastic straws. That's an enemy of... The, 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 we have our first prime minister... Is he a prime minister or president? What did you just say? He's a prime he's minister. A prime he, minister. Yeah, as you would say, he's a coach. This he's guy a coach. Coach is a, a huge enemy of the pod. Huge enemy of the pod. How can you blame the whole country? You can't, I don't have a choice. Wait, Justin Trudeau is an enemy of this show? This show. Well, he is now because he just banned plastic straws. <laughs> well, well, that makes sense. I'm I mean, very pro Bill de Blasio because he got the <laughs> other ice cream trucks off the streets. I'm very pro... Uh, Wasting in my way. Everyone's got to have one way they waste, they kill the world. Yeah. I just like a nice plastic straw and I'm drinking my iced coffee. The whole oh. reason why they don't like plastic straws is because it goes up the nose of turtles, right? And then it kills turtles. Is that the reason? And yeah, and Jimmy Scooter, Schubert. What does a turtle do for you? Jimmy Schubert has the best joke of all time where he's like, what? I had a, I had a straw up my nose for a decade. I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these turtles got to toughen up. These you know, like turtles, the dodgeball playing kids. Yeah, these turtles got to toughen up. The other thing they're, they're planning on banning out there, water bottles, plastic bags, and straws. So I don't understand why they started with straws. I get it, the turtle thing, but also... But they're small. They're not that big. A bag's bigger. A water bottle's much bigger. Right, and also, there's been a lot of research, like, when you're banning plastic bags in areas... I, I don't have the stats, obviously, to back up anything, but I know it doesn't really do that much. Like, there's paper... There's other things that are bad for the environment that people replace things with. Like, it doesn't usually make it... Sm- it makes people feel good about themselves. Well, our they next... feel all smug when they go to the supermarket. Our next and they story. bring their own bag. Like, I oh, went to... Oh, they love bringing their so own bag. So I went... I, when I was coming... I was in New Jersey recently, and I went... Have you ever seen the supermarket Aldi, I think it's called? No. Anyone? It's like a German yeah, supermarket, and yeah. it's super cheap, so it's awesome. And it, it's because it's like it's sort of like Trader Joe's in a way, where they have different rules to make it cheaper. Sure. But one of the things they do is two things that are probably, different rules. They, well, that you don't to get a shopping <laughs> cart, you have to put a quarter in, because this is in they, America. It is in America because they don't, they don't hire a lot of employees, so they don't want to have to return them. So they think to get your quarter back, you're gonna put the shopping cart back. Okay. And then two, there's no bags, so you have to bring a bag. They don't even really? have that. There's no option, and you have to pack your own. Wait, so what happens if you buy stuff and you forgot your bag? You just have to carry it into the car and like <laughs> slam it down in the truck. You better have really big hands. I think there's like some sort of thing you can buy there. It's like not a plastic bag. I forget, but it was like, yeah, there's no... Most people there are just taking everything and they're sh- putting well, in the car and then bring it to the car and just, yeah. In so, America, are plastic bags still free at grocery stores? Oh, yes, yeah. They, tried to, oh, they yeah. tried to charge... I think in California they might charge. They tried to charge in New York and then people were like, but that'll hurt poor people obviously more. And Are you say, kidding? So, which it would. I mean, you people, can never. I can never predict what the uh, left in America is going. How they're going to spin. To me, like getting rid of plastic ba- plastic bags would be something that the left would support. They do. They but do. I don't no, think it is a left. Extra level when the when they say no, but that's defense, hurting poor people. It doesn't have felt like, practical. Oh, yeah, there's extra levels. I mean, I reuse all of our plastic bags. Randy is listening. I see why I can, <laughs> uh, can can confirm. I reuse them for pancakes poop. I'm a great. It makes me feel really smug. For I'm a dog great poop. my dog. Oh, your dog. I, I was, was wondering about that. Yeah, I, I pick on. it up. I'm a great. That's a. I'm a great environmentalist. Cap, so. you were talking about the environment. Next story of the week comes to us from CNN. Mm. Burst strike. 
People are refusing to have oh kids because of climate change. <laughs> We're an environmental Ooh. theme episode. I'm on. I'm this is so China's the most uh, environmentally friendly country in the old days. Sure. Yeah. When they had the one child policy. Well, now it's two. Yeah. Um, by the way, did you know that this is off topic, but you know there's like Mormon people out there trying to convert Chinese people to become Mormons? It's like you realize your whole thing of being a Mormon is to have their whole philosophy is to have more kids. Yeah. And the more kids you have, the more people they have in the future so they can take over the world. Yeah. It's literally illegal for them to have more kids. Um, it's a big catch 22. All right, let's get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> people refuse to have kids because of climate change. This is what I've been saying for years. I have no kids. I Do you have kids? I don't have Dan kids. Okay. Have kids. I think I don't have kids. He's Dan a, doesn't have kids. But it's not because of climate change. Producer Matt doesn't have kids. None of us should have to recycle. If you don't oh, have kids, you. you shouldn't have to recycle. Wait, yeah. I, you have two kids. I would not have had kids if I knew if I could have kept the plastic straw. <laughs> I think that should be the law. Oh, if I, you got Cap, it. I think you should make sure your kids know that that yeah. you value them slightly less than a plastic slightly straw. Less, that's yes. why this is a part of the alt middle. Yeah, yeah that's figuring a, it out. I agree with you because you're right. I'm bringing, but the thing is, you need to have kids if you want to have people who are going to invent things that are good for the environment. And you know, change policies that are good for the environment. Disagree. Because if How the many only people having kids are people who don't give a shit. Uh, then they're all going to raise people who don't give a shit. So, like, I think it's a no. I'm saying it should be illegal. I think a one child policy for the world. One child policy. Yeah. Except certain countries, like Z I would say zero. Yeah, but then I just think people without siblings sometimes. But you know, you know what? I think the thought isn't that your kids are going to cause climate change, but they think their kids will grow up in a world that will be a dystopia. Oh, right. there's th yeah, no, there's no, no, but there is a thing that, um, you know, that humans are the biggest polluter. That's just like a fact. Yeah. And so I think what this is saying is these are just like extra, extra, extra woke people. Well, they're uh, also saying they're also, I think, saying they're like, oh, the world's going to end. It's selfish to even raise a child now, which is like crazy because like there have been so many worse times in the history of yeah. humanity. You could have been like, well, I can't have kids. I, 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 I grew up when, yeah, when like the we black were, plague. <laughs> yeah, <it looks> like, <laughs> well, you remember when we were kids, they had uh, like we were worried about nuclear war. Yeah, there we, was we, that. We, we had these drills where we'd hide under our desks and that, my, the duck and cover drills. My but, grandparents owned, uh, dug a bomb shelter. In yeah. their backyard was in, New a real thing. in like rural New Mexico. And, and like people now are like, I, I try to explain to younger people now, I was, we were worried that the world would literally end in yeah. like a minute. Yeah. Well, even after 9-11, people were worried like, oh my God, this is like the new future. Yeah. And no one stops to be like, oh, it's pretty amazing that, I don't know, the world's pretty great. It's pretty I mean, good. Problems, but. Pretty. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Last story of the week oh. comes to us from The Independent. Mm. New hands-free dining restaurant will feed you dinner directly into your mouth. That's he awesome. Heroes of the week, folks. <laughs> uh, can I give you a billion dollar idea? Yeah. We want we gotta take a step further. New restaurant where we wipe your ass for you. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Everything we don't want anyone to have to do anything for the But themselves. no, it's like a, a computer like a robot does it. Because I, I wouldn't want someone wiping. I would feel bad about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to be, gotta a be impersonal. Or like, be a little creepy. Or like confessional where I don't see the person. <laughs> like, <you laughs> like, a, like, I don't want to. Because what do you tip on? Like a glory hole. Wait, what do you tip glory on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a you glory hole. A glory hole for wiping. You put your arm through. Yeah, uh, exactly. A brick, a brick the glory wall. hole experience. Because <laughs> what would you tip on this wipe? Because get Weber on this. <laughs> I, th I think it depends on how. Uh... <laughs> tipping on, it, on a wipe your butt uh, restaurant. Yeah, what, I mean, what is tipping on the feed you restaurant? Is it? That's that's. Uh, it's got to be. It's got to be at least twenty twenty two percent. I hope they're not using plastic. Twenty two percent of what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like It's got one of those screens comes up where they're like you get to 30, 20, yeah. 25. But is this been a problem before? Where people, you get to the restaurant, you're so like lazy, like I can't. I'm holding this fork. Uh, this, this is like 
cutting my food for me. Yeah, I, I, can, I can never do it properly like a steak. I, I could use that. But. We really are just getting like Israel's putting every making everyone join the military, and we're like, ah, oh, just I can't open my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that movie Wally or something. We're just like an assembly line of slobs. Oh, so Lord. yeah, it's a great future. I love it. It's great. That's the podcast, <laughs> Daniel. Thanks for doing it. Thanks, thanks for, doing for having it. me, guys. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah. Producer Matt, I feel like did we even get you on today? Get back on here. You did now. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks to producer Matt Cap. What See should you. we do? Let's get lost. Get lost.